Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate team mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello, everyone. How are you? So, I know I talked about, or I think I talked about, being Denae was on MTV this week. I wanted to watch it. I was planning on watching it. I wasn't going to take notes because I wasn't going to do an extensive recap. I was just going to watch. But, bad news, it is not anywhere on Amazon, and it is not streaming. Well, no, that's not true. That's not what I meant to say. I tried to go on the MTV app, and you cannot log in to watch episodes anymore with either Verizon or Comcast, the two things that I have logins with. So, I couldn't watch it. I mean, I, like, could watch it on Watch Series, I know, but... Like, the situation I was in where I was trying to watch it, I was not able to watch it on Watch Series. I was going to have to watch it on my phone. And so I didn't watch Bean Danae, which is a bummer. I wanted to watch it. I'm sure it wasn't going to be that good, but I still wanted to talk about it. I do want to quickly address something, though. I've seen a lot of comments online that Danae shouldn't have gotten a special because he's an abuser. And how do I want to say this? That's not a sentiment I disagree with but I don't think it's one that makes sense in the context of teen mom (laughs) I just I don't the fact is like everybody on this show is an abuser they're all racist they're all pro-life they're all trumpers and a lot of them are physically abusive and I don't understand I especially saw this on reddit this week You know, people were saying, like, quick, turn off the TV so we don't give this abuser any ratings. And I'm like, you just watched a full hour of abusers. Literally, Kale, Nathan, Janelle, Barbara. Well, I guess she's not probably not physically abusive to her kids, just emotionally abusive. Who else was on this week's episode that was abusive? Probably others, you know. But those three, especially Kale, Janelle... And, like, oh, and Nathan are, like, on record abusive, physically abusive people. So, I just find it hard to understand, like, where that line is and why we draw that line for Danae, which is why I've said, like, I would be fine with David coming back on Teen Mom. Because they just, once you start drawing this line of, like, they're an abuser, so we can't have them on the show, we can't give them a show... That doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. I've also seen criticism that Danae wasn't really part of, like, isn't part of the series anymore, so it doesn't make a ton of sense to give him a bean special, and I think that's a fair criticism, and I don't disagree with that, except for the fact that, like, at least Danae has a story to tell. Like, at least he has something interesting. We don't see any trans visibility on Teen Mom and any of the series. I don't really know if there's trans visibility across MTV as a whole. I don't really watch 
MTV. I don't really watch, I don't really watch TV that much anymore, guys. I think I've talked about this. Like, I watch YouTube and I watch, like, streaming stuff. So, I watch, I watch things. But what I don't watch is, like, okay. And I miss a lot because of this. I, for the last, like, honestly, since probably for the last, like, five or six or plus more years, I, because I don't watch cable, like, I don't watch live TV, so I miss a lot of, like, that bullshit that's on TV that I used to spend so many hours consuming. Like, the way I consume TV is a lot different these days, and now, like, my background noise is, like, just, like, literally right now on my screen is a Frozen episode of Parks and Recreation that I play on Netflix, or I have, like, YouTube going in the background, um, I'm watching something on Hulu, you know what I mean? I just, my background noise is streaming stuff. So, but in the past, when I was younger and for most of my life, I would put on MTV and just leave it on MTV all day. And so I would see like all of the shit that they showed. I'm I'm missing a lot culturally now <laughs> because I mean, I used to just consume so much stuff that I, because I was passively watching it, I wasn't going out of my way to watch it. And I have been thinking about that and I do kind of miss it, but also, I'm not sure, like, if my life isn't worse because of it, but I used to watch so much stuff, like, on TLC, you know, like, I would watch always, like, Little People, Big World, um, I mean, I would love, I would watch, like, A Baby Story, remember that? Is that still on? A Baby Story? <laughs> I'd watch A Baby Story, I'd watch Little People, Big World, I'd watch just, like, all the stuff that is on TLC that I would never, ever go out of my way to try and watch, but I would watch. That's how I watched, for example, Dance Moms. I would never, like, go out of, seek out Dance Moms. But, like, I watch that shit on Lifetime because I'd put on Lifetime and have Lifetime on all day. So, how did I get here? Right. So, I'm not sure if MTV has any trans visibility because I don't watch, like, those, you know, one-off shows or the shows that just don't get a ton of attention that I'm not seeking out that's on MTV. But I would guess because trans people don't have a ton of visibility anywhere in the media that MTV is not an exception to that rule. And I think it's pretty cool that Danae got a being special where he could show his top surgery. Uh, he could talk about being on testosterone. But I do understand people being like, this doesn't really make sense as a teen mom special because he's not on teen, ma teen mom anymore. He doesn't have any association with teen mom anymore. And I think that's fair, but I would also argue that, like, if they gave us a Bean Kiefer special, once Kiefer gets out of prison, whenever that is, like, everybody would tune in, and nobody would say, like, but he doesn't even have anything to do with Team Mom anymore. We would all still watch. We would probably all watch a Bean Gary Head special. We'd watch a Bean TR, Leah's ex-boyfriend that was never even on this show. I'd watch the shit out of that. So... I'm not that... I understand why MTV gave him a special. I think it's pretty cool. I did see some people in my Instagram comments saying it would have made more sense as a true life episode. And I think that that's definitely, definitely a fair assessment. Uh, on the topic of true life, I... All I want in this fucking world is for all of the episodes of true life to be available streaming. It's so wildly unfair that it isn't. Also, of course, all the episodes of Real World because I... I'm obsessed with old real world and really like you cannot watch them anywhere. There are a couple. I rewatched San Diego not that long ago because that's online. I think I watched another old season not that long ago that was like online. 
but not like on daily motion or you know what I mean not actually quality streaming like I want that shit on Hulu put it on the MTV app whatever I there are episodes of true life that I think about all of the time I think about cousin Julia please tell me I know you think about these too because we still talk about them true life I'm a cheerleader I think about once a week all the time all of the time True Life, I have an eating disorder where the girl was throwing up in Tupperware and buckets and hiding in her closet. Ugh. That was like, I learned so much about the world from True Life. Almost everything I know about the world, I learned from a few sources. One being True Life. Another one being the VH1 countdown shows they used to do, like 100 shocking moments in rock and roll history. And Eat Your Hollywood Story. That's how I learned everything that I know about this world. And as you guys know, like, I know a lot about this world. And it really just upsets me that I cannot consume all of the True Life episodes that I want to consume. <laughs> MTV owes it to me to put it on there. Anyway, I'm on such a tangent. But yeah, sorry I couldn't watch Bean Danae. Now I feel like the time has passed and I probably won't ever watch it. <laughs> if I didn't watch it that first week it came out to talk about, like, I'm probably never going to watch it. I did see a lot of people online call this episode boring this week, this Team Mom episode, but I actually thought it was kind of interesting. Um, It wasn't, like, the best episode ever, but this season has been shitty, and I didn't think this episode was any shittier than any of the others. So, let's just get right into it. This is probably going to be not a super long episode. I'm recording Friday night. I'm going out of town this weekend um to visit my friend that passed away her mom I'm going to New York and I'm like a little stressed out not stressed but like I don't know anxious like nervous about it and it's like 9 45 on Friday night and I'm a little tired and I should have done this earlier in the week but like you know this is my life I don't have always have time to report, record the podcast earlier in the week because I go to yoga, I work a full-time job, got things to do. So yeah, I'm just going to go through this week's episode. If this isn't the longest episode, I apologize. Make sure you listen to that 16 and Pregnant Brianna episode that I did. That was a nice hour and a half free bonus episode for everyone. And let's get into it. I want to talk about Chelsea first because definitely she had next to nothing happen in this episode. But can we talk about how Chelsea tried to, like, pass off a filmed event, like, a filmed MTV day as Aubrey's birthday party in which she invited one child to? Like, what the fuck was that? Now, look, I don't think a kid needs a birthday party every year. Although, I I had a birthday party every year. I'm positive there was not a year in which I did not have a birthday party until I was, like, old enough to say that I didn't want one. Trying to think, I wonder what I did for my ninth birthday. I don't really have memories like that. Um, (laughs) My memory for my childhood stuff, like, isn't the greatest. But even if it wasn't huge, you know, like, my mom would take me and a couple of my friends to the movies. or But I would get to decide. But I don't think it's, like, the biggest deal in the world if kids don't always have birthday parties. Like, literally who cares like a child will absolutely survive especially like if you can't afford it the parents don't have time etc etc but like this seemed like such a weird half-ass like 
Ugh, well, I guess we should do something for Aubrey. <laughs> it just seems so shitty. I don't know. I've Aubrey seems to be really good about the fact that she got two baby siblings in two years. They were saying how helpful she is. I mean, Chelsea literally says, like, it would be a lot harder for us to have two kids and two kids under two if Aubrey wasn't here. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, no shit, because she's big and she's helpful. Big as an older. Like, she's old enough to help. And I just think that, like, that just throw her a birthday party. Take her and her friends to Sky Zone, like every other teen mom on this show. Like every other non-teen mom. I see lots of birthday parties at Sky Zone on my on my Facebook. Like, take them to Sky Zone for a Saturday afternoon. Like, Aubrey doesn't get three hours at Sky Zone. I don't know. I was a little surprised by this whole thing that Aubrey... I understand, like, Chelsea said on Aubrey's exact birthday, she was... She had double... What's it called? Ma... I have it written down, but I've already forgotten. But it's when, um, like, you're... I don't know. I'm going to sound like such an idiot. But basically, it's like an infection in your nipples and your breasts due to breastfeeding. It's dangerous. I've already forgotten. It's dangerous. It's extremely painful, extremely, extremely painful. And to have it in both both breasts, like, I definitely felt for Chelsea. I understand why on her actual birthday, they could not celebrate her. That's totally reasonable. She was sick. But I just think it's crazy that they didn't, like, plan a birthday party for Aubrey. And now, I know. Chelsea fans are sitting at home while she has two young children. No, no, no. Chelsea's rich. Chelsea's rich and has like a gaggle of very close to her family members that live near her. So please, please don't hit me with this like Chelsea has two kids, so two young kids. So she's like too busy or like too stressed to do anything. That's, that's not, no, no. There's no way that Chelsea could not finagle Aubrey a birthday party planned in advance so anyway they're going to do an escape room I also have a criticism here that Chelsea should have gotten a babysitter for Watson at least if not like I guess I can understand bringing Lane I know she's breastfeeding but I will say like Chelsea's not exclusive well she might be exclusively breastfeeding but she does give the baby a bottle like she pumps we saw her give Watson and I'm pretty sure we've seen her give Lane bottles but Lane seems to be good in her sling but like why would you bring Watson to an escape who would bring a toddler to an escape room? That's not fun for Cole or Aubrey. That Cole or Chelsea. It's not fun for Watson because he can't, like, touch everything in there. Who's just running around. And it's not fair for Aubrey. I think it would have been really nice if they weren't going to give her an actual birthday party and they were doing this, like, here you go thing that they could have at least, like, gotten a babysitter for the little kids or at least Watson could have went to Mary's for the night and they could have actually, like, had a night that could have just been Aubrey's. I think they need to do a better job, like, doing things just for Aubrey. Now, once again, let me repeat myself. Chelsea is rich and has a lot of close friends or close family members that live near her that babysit her kids and babysat Aubrey all the fucking time when Aubrey was a baby. Chelsea had no problem sending Aubrey to Mary's overnight, Aubrey's entire childhood. So, like, Watson can go stay with Mary for four hours while they do this escape room. I just, I don't know. I think they need to give Aubrey a little more attention, a little more one-on-one time, and a little more, like, 
you get to do stuff without your siblings here ruining it. Because toddlers ruin things. That's what toddlers do because they're babies. <laughs> Lane is probably at that perfect age where she can go and just like be in the uh in the sling. Chelsea can nurse her. Like that's Lane is fine, but leave Watson at home for that type of stuff. Also, like Chelsea being like, Well, I'm gonna bring my lash girl and my lash girl's daughter. And like she's like, Aubrey and her really get along. It's like does is that Aubrey's only friend? I don't know, guys. The whole thing was just very weird. It was very, very weird. Also, they didn't make it out of the escape room. I've done one escape room. It was fine. I would like to do another one with maybe... I think the one that we did, I went with my friend. Her family really likes to do them. And she, like, randomly... They had an extra spot. I guess it was, like, a Groupon for ten people. And she had an extra spot and invited me. And I didn't really know her family very well. But they were all really nice. I, it's my friend from high school. I, she's somebody that I really like. But, like, I don't know her family super well. So, oh, but they, so I would like to do it with more of, like, like my friend from high school. But then our group of friends and not necessarily her family. Although, like I said, they were super nice. But it'd be cool to do one with, like, where I know everybody beforehand. And wasn't just, like, meeting them that day. But they do escape rooms all the time, apparently. Like, it's just something that they like to do. And they said the one that we did, like, just wasn't... It wasn't very good. It wasn't a really, like... They had to give us a lot of help. Not because we were doing it wrong, but because it was, like, kind of impossible to figure out. And our guess was that they were probably going to change the room soon. And until then, they were just, like, helping people along with it. So I like the idea of escape room. I would just like to do it under a different circumstance. And I actually think I will contact my friend and see if she wants to, my friend that I went with, and see if we should organize one with a group of friends. So thanks, Teen Mom. Great idea. Although I think escape rooms are going out and hatchet throwing is the new one, right? Did you guys see that video of the girl throwing the axe at that place and it hit the floor and it like <laughs> it bounced back at her and she like ducked? That was That was really scary. I feel like that would happen to me. But that's all that happened for Chelsea this week. Mm, poor little Aubrey didn't even get a birthday party. <laughs> She'll survive. It's really, it's actually not sad at all. Anyway, let's talk about Brie next after a very quick break. Well, was this like the saddest thing that we've ever heard from Nova this week. Oh, this was tough. This was tough. So basically, uh, Brie lets us know that Lewis wants to see Stella, but she isn't even sure if he'll show up. And Devon is showing up more, but he just isn't consistent. Uh, we get a quick scene of Nova trying to call Devon. Devon doesn't pick up. And they've been saying this since they came back on Team Mom 2 that Devon will come around for a month or two months and then disappear for a month or two months at the beginning of this season, right? Must have been the beginning of this season or maybe the beginning of last season. I think the beginning of this season. They were talking about how great it is that Devon has a job, but because he has a job, he doesn't seem to be coming around. Brittany said he doesn't seem to be able to multitask at all. Remember, Devon doesn't have a license. He doesn't have a car, so it's hard for him to get over there to see Nova. And I think he works in a restaurant, so he probably... They talked about that, right? That he is a server. So I'm guessing he's working nights. Nova's in school during the day. I'm not giving excuses for Devon. 
he definitely could be doing way, way, way more. But that's like at least what the DHZ women are telling us is that he just doesn't really seem to be able to stick to like a consistent schedule. Uh, by the way, this week, Brie has been tweeting like that Devon did something really fucked up and that she doesn't trust him anymore. Somebody on Reddit who went to the reunion said that apparently Nova was over at Devon. She was supposed to stay overnight. Devon got really drunk and they were at a pool party or maybe at his like apartment complex pool and Nova can't swim. And Brie had to come pick her up and she was really, really mad. And if that is true, if that's the case, like, yeah, that's fucked up. If you're, I mean, if you're Devon, there, in my opinion, there's absolutely no reason you should be having more than one drink at all. Maybe two. Um, when you have Nova, you have her so rarely. It's like, bro, just, just don't drink for that night. Like you just, you don't need to have a drink. Maybe have a beer with dinner, have one cocktail. Fine. Like I'm not demonizing drinking and you can still be a parent and have a drink or two. But I don't understand why you would ever need to get drunk in that situation. You have your daughter so rarely and when you're just basically earning overnight privileges it seems really crazy to me that he would then risk that uh devon is immature and he's inconsistent and he has been as i talked about this week in my bonus episode i thought roxanne was like really good in this episode at one point she says that Although the adults in the family are happy that Devon is coming around, it's not enough for Nova because Nova just compares him to her mom and to her grandma and to her aunt who are always there for her, always around for her. And she doesn't like have the perspective to understand that like he's trying. And I thought that was really, really wise. And I don't even know if I thought of it that way. I thought that was, I don't know, I just... I think it's so easy to forget watching these shows or even in real life, like, that kids think of things differently. And also, Nova is still very young. She's seven. She's in first grade. And it's easy to be like, oh, well, you know, she's probably pretty happy. Like, her dad's coming around again. I completely... When Roxanne said that Nova compares Devon to, like, her family that she's usually with, like, that really clicked for me. So... Nova and Brie are in the car and Nova says, well, Brie is like, Stella's dad may come over tomorrow, but I don't know if he'll show up. And I was like, I mean, do you need to tell Nova that? (laughs) I don't know if Nova needed to be told that, but fine, whatever. Nova says, you know, my dad and Stella's dad are the same in that they say they'll show up and they don't. Oh, from the mouth of babes. Like, it's just so sad. And then Nova explains to Brie that it's her fault, that she thinks it's her fault that Devon doesn't come around because she doesn't call him enough and, like, ask where he is. That, to me, was, like, it was so sad. I do think, though, that it's really good that, obviously, Nova feels very safe and really trusts and loves her mom. And... The fact that she could, like, articulate that to her mom, I was pretty impressed with it. I thought that showed, like, a lot of awareness from Nova herself. And obviously, like, I don't know. Nova understands that, because she tells us. Because Bree says, well, do you want to talk to your dad about that? And she says, no, I, and she tells Bree she's not comfortable with it. She doesn't want Bree to talk to her dad about that. So I think it shows a pretty good 
awareness of Noba understanding the seriousness of the situation that like, does that make sense when I say the seriousness of the situation? Um, I just thought that was like, it really proves, I keep saying, I keep stopping in the middle of what I'm saying, guys. I'm a little drunk two yerba mates or whatever they're called because I was really tired today and it's now 1030 at night because I just like stopped what I was doing and scrolled through Instagram for nine hours. Um, so I'm like not on my A game right now. But what I'm trying to say is I thought it proved that Nova is obviously very comfortable and feels very safe with her mom because she can express something that she knows will upset her dad. And she can express something that she knows is serious. Uh, I thought Brie did a pretty good job of comforting her, explaining that it wasn't her fault, that it was her dad's responsibility to check up on her. And also not, you know, Brie could have said, well, no, I am going to talk to your dad, which is what she ended up doing. But she agreed not to for Nova's sake to Nova's face, which I think was the right call. Um, there's a scene where Brie and Roxanne talk and Roxanne is happy that Lewis is coming around and that it's good for Stella. And they talk about Devon just like not doing enough. Um, Brie is going to talk to him, but she's like, I already know exactly what he's going to say. He's going to say he works. He's going to say he Ubers. He's going to say he can't get here, which is exactly what he said. I think Brie's at a point with Devon where she's feeling... It must be frustrating that, like, she's watching him step up in some ways, but so he's so disappointed in other ways, and she knows talking to him isn't going to change that, and I think she's exactly right that talking to him won't really change it, but I think it's good that she did talk to him about it. Um, I did, oh, and Roxanne also said that Devon isn't emotional or sensitive enough to like really understand what he's doing to Nova and that Brie really needs to explain it to him. And I thought that was interesting, an interesting observation and definitely one that I don't, I don't think is untrue. I think the reality is, is that Devon probably has in a basic understanding that he's not there enough for Nova because how could he think he's there enough for Nova? He doesn't see her that often. He's just started stepping up. Who knows if he even give, gives Brie money. Oh yeah, he is court-ordered child support, right? I think so. I can't remember. But I think Devon, like, has a basic understanding, but I also wouldn't be that surprised if, like, he really doesn't emotionally get, like, the level of hurt that he's causing Nova when he doesn't do what he says he's supposed to do, and that Nova's becoming so much more aware of him not being around. Uh, there's a scene where Lewis comes over. He said that He's getting a job soon, so he still, he won't be able to see Stella that much. <laughs> but Stella was much more comfortable with him this time. And I did think, like, why didn't he come over the first time? You know, like, last week, I think part of the reason that Stella was probably so nervous around him is because she was in, like, an, an unfamiliar environment and he was a stranger. I think if they had had... Lewis come to the house, it would have been a little easier for everyone. Stella was obviously a lot more at ease. By the way, Stella's like, I just, she's so cute. I love watching her run around. When Brittany was playing with her and Nova, they were like sitting on pool floaties, like playing a game in the living room. And at one point, like Nova got into Brittany's lap and Stella was like, nah! <laughs> and really mad about it. It was so, so, so cute. 
Um, there is a little quip between Brie Lewis and the producer where they say that Stella looks just like Lewis and Brie's like, she makes that same face as him. It's disgusting. It's so gross. And the producer's like, why is it disgusting? And she's like, because I don't want her to look like him. It's the same exact face. And look, should Brie have said that the face her child makes is disgusting and gross? No. No, she should not. But it's a baby. <laughs> Stella's not internalizing that. But I would like Brie to not say that again, especially as Stella gets older. I think it's really shitty when parents, like, say that to their kid, like, you look just like your father, but not in a positive way. <laughs> you know, not in, like, you look just like your father. Macy does it with Bentley a lot. Like, anytime Bentley gets sashed, she'll be like, okay, Ryan. And it's just like, mm. It's not great to do your do to your kid when your kid knows that you don't like their parent <laughs> that they're talking about. So yeah, this week it was fine, whatever, but Bree should be careful about that going forward. But she really does look just like Lewis, and you really see it when they're basically making the same facial expression at the same time. So we get a scene where Bree goes to Devon's apartment. It's a nice standard Florida apartment. Happy for Devon so that he has his own place. Brie is really nice about it. She compliments it. And then they sit down to talk. And Devon is like, well, you can tell Devon is a little taken aback. So I think Roxanne was right that he isn't that emotional and sensitive and doesn't really understand the weight of Nova's feelings. And Devon's like, well, why would she say it's her fault? And Brie explains a little bit, and Devon says, like, he isn't surprised that she's not happy because he also isn't happy with the situation. And I thought that was a good line because he wasn't directing it at Brie. He wasn't saying, like, I'm not happy with how you do this situation. I think he meant, like, I'm not happy that I'm the best dad that I can be. At least that's how I took it. I also, as I've told you guys before, when I take notes, I miss stuff because... You can't pay 100% attention while you're typing and taking notes. But, <clears throat> I don't know. I thought his reaction was pretty legit. Uh, Bree said that, like, he needs to sit down with Nova now and explain exactly what's going on. The fact that he doesn't have a ride. That he wants to see her more but can't always. Brie makes a good point. Nova Seven, she's old enough to feel hurt by her dad. She's old enough to be aware of the situation. And I think she's also old enough for Devon to talk to her and for Devon to explain what's going on from his perspective. She doesn't need to know every detail, but she's getting older. So that's it for Brie this week. Apparently John's back next week, so that should be interesting to see. Who else is on this show? Oh, Leah's week this week was kind of weird. <laughs> Did you guys notice that too? So the house is almost fixed and the big drama of this week is that she's getting carpet in her house. Oh, okay. Um, If anybody's familiar in carpet insulation, if you could let me know why her carpet guys wouldn't install carpet on the stairs. Because they're like, well, we don't do the stairs. So how do you get the stairs done? Do you have to do it yourself? Do you have to get a specialty carpet installer to come out just to do the stairs? Um, once again, the girls call her out and say that they live at Jason's house. Lee <laughs> uh, even says, like, you guys think you have two houses. And one of them, I didn't write down which one, says, 
But you said it, Mommy. And Leah says, said what? And she says, you said, this is our house, too. (laughs) I live for those girls dragging Leah. I want Grace to come on this podcast (laughs) and give me a sit down. By the way, has everybody been watching Leah's Snapchat? But also, are you following me on Instagram, EBP underscore feathers? Because Leah was wild and out this week, like, responding to everyone's tweets, being crazy. Also, Jeremy, I'm going to read this. Um, Sorry, uh, my friend sent me a text today when I pulled out my phone and I have no idea what the fuck she's talking about. Okay, let me find this. Where is this? Um, Wow, sorry, I should have put this on pause, but I'm not on pause. Okay. So, I guess David commented on Jeremy's picture for the reunion where it's like reunion ready when your ex-wife picks out your outfit. David, who's back on Instagram, as I told you guys, but I'm not, I don't care. So, I'm not, I'm not posting about him. I don't understand, like, why, why we need so many posts about, like, the racist stuff David posts on Instagram. I don't. I don't care. I don't care about David's social media unless it's, like, teen mom-specific drama. I don't care about David being racist. I don't care about David being pro-life. I don't care because, like, that's who I know he is. And I don't follow David for that reason because I don't want to see his bullshit on my feed. It gets, like, everything offensive he posts gets posted to Reddit for some reason. There's just nothing to talk about. Like, we know that David is a racist, abusive asshole. So, unless he's posting, like, something crazy that needs to be discussed, like, I, which will get sent to me, or what what will really happen is I'll instantly see it on Reddit. As much as I love you guys sending me stuff, like, the fact is I've, I've, I don't think anybody has ever, no, that's not true, somebody this week sent me, or tagged me in, Starcasm, found a documentary about the Bronx in the late 70s early 80s in which Roxanne was featured as a child when Roxanne's nickname was Tweety and I need to watch that. (laughs) But in general, like, I see everything before anybody sends it to me because it gets posted on Reddit or Twitter, like, immediately. Anyway, so David, for some reason, commented, I'm not sure why, have David and Jeremy been fighting? I guess they have. I can't, yeah, I guess they did. It all runs together. But David commented, by the way, his new Instagram handle is big old, hon- big old honky, which is just like, okay. Well, you look like a bitch, so there you go. And Jeremy's response is, dear dumb fuck, I wish people told parents back in the day not to do drugs while pregnant. Maybe then kids wouldn't have turned out so fucking stupid like you. And sorry to say, but your parents have to be related for you to come out so fucking stupid. And P.S. Keep fucking with me and I'll fly my ass to North Carolina. I'll show you what kind of bitch I am, pretty boy. I'll bitch slap you your stupid fucking ignorant ass. Got it, motherfucker? I can buy and sell your dumb fucking ass, you non-working piece of shit. Fuck you and fuck your wife and Jesus, any leftover money needs to go to a vaginal surgeon. Hashtag this shit is beat. Hashtag goddamn. Hashtag rough. Now, we all love seeing David put in his place. Of course we do. 
But if you support that misogynistic bullshit about Janelle's vagina, which I'm sure I've ranted about on this podcast before, you can go fuck yourself. It doesn't suddenly become appropriate to use misogynistic insults because you don't like the person that it's directed against. Jeremy is like just as, not just, no, I don't want to say that. That's not absolutely not fair jeremy's not as shitty as david but like don't tell me that jeremy doesn't agree with like all of the shit that david posts <laughs> don't tell me that date jeremy isn't like super maga he's posted like some wildly questionable shit in his day and we know his views on some stuff don't tell me jeremy doesn't believe like most of the same shit that david does um also the use of the pretty boy there. It's calling him gay. It, like, guys, Jeremy isn't some hero. Although, like, I love a trash versus trash fight. Like, really, truly love it. It's super fun. Super fun. Um, so, yeah, I got off topic, but that's, that was Jeremy. Leah's just been, like, going buck crazy on Instagram. She posted, or not on Instagram, on Twitter, actually, And also on Snapchat yesterday, she posted a video. It was so weird and inappropriate. So she's sitting in the front seat of her car and Addie is like standing in the passenger seat with her head out of the window and Leah's filming upwards. So basically the focal point of this video is Addie's butt and Baby Got Back is playing and Addie is like grinding up and down and the focus of the video is her butt and it's just, it's so weird. It's not... Addie's a child, so it's not sexual. But the fact is, like, how many people are going to see that? Leah has a following on Snapchat. I mean, her Snapchats probably don't get that, that, that many views because Snapchat is dying. But Leah has, like, millions of followers throughout her multiple social media platforms. Like, let your kid dance like that. Like, I don't really care. That's not my complaint. But, like, don't, one, film it. And if you do film it, like, don't put it on your public social medias for everyone to see. Like, it's really gross. There are gross pedophiles out there. Like, I know that says that, I'm not saying, like, nothing can be posted online. And I know we could have the argument that, like, children shouldn't be posted on social media at all. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I understand that point of view completely. I really do. And I respect people who don't put their children or let other people put their children, like, anywhere online. But you don't need to post your six-year-old daughter, like, backing her ass up to baby got back on your social media. It's weird. And I'm sure when I was, like, six or seven, I danced like that to baby got back, too. But my mom wasn't famous and she didn't, like, take a video of it and post it for hundreds of thousands or millions of people to see. Just, I don't like it. Leah, and now she's doing this thing where she's, like, (sighs) snapping back at the haters and, like, trying to prove the haters wrong and, like, being sassy and, like, go fuck you. I can do what I want. And it's, like, don't do that. She went on her podcast last week. By the way, her podcast is unlistenable. It's so bad. What's the point of her podcast? Couldn't tell you. What's it about? No idea. Leah does not have a voice for podcasting. Leah does not have the gift of the gab. It's not, it's really not good. And Leah, like, went on her podcast and defended that video she posted of Addie saying the N-word while rapping along to Cardi B. And she said, Addie, 
Cardi B is Addie's favorite. She wants to be just like Cardi B, which is like, okay. And that she absolutely did not say that word and her children know not to say that word. And I just find it hard to believe that if her kids are listening to unedited um, music that they, that Lee is like really telling them not to say that word. And she's like, people just made up that she said it. And it's like, okay, but like I have eyes and I saw her say it in the video. Like she's, her lips are moving to the word. Like you can see her say it. And apparently one of the girls has a black friend. So they're not racist. Not Leah, but like one of the girls. (laughs) She's just been a mess. I think she's like on one. And her and Jeremy have been all over each other's social medias and, like, Kale's leaving comments, like, I wouldn't be mad if y'all got back together. And Lee is liking comments about them getting back together. And it's just really pathetic. You know, it's really pathetic to be publicly trashing your ex-husband on a TV show and then three months later be sleeping with him again. Leah also posted something that she wasn't allowed to talk to Jeremy when she was with Jason unless it was in a group chat with Jason in it, which is like, yikes, I guess I was right about Jason being Dirty John. (laughs) Two things are true. Leah is sad and pathetic and Jason is a creep and he's controlling. So Leah gets carpet in her house. Yay. Woohoo. How exciting. That's a big don't care for me. The producer is like, so what's like your goal? I mean, you're obviously not going to be here every night. And Leah's like, well, either I'm there or he's here. We're just taking it day by day. And as I ranted about last week, you can't take your living arrangements day by day when you have children. (laughs) It's not how it works. Mm, Leah. Although I really, really hope that we... Get some good Leah and Jeremy drama. I really want Leah to get pregnant by Jeremy again because I'm a bad person. In case you guys didn't know this from listening to this podcast, like, I'm a bad person. And I want bad things to happen to real life people that affects children. Like, I just said out loud that I want Leah to have another baby with Jeremy. Also, I can watch that drama. Oh, that's amazing. That's I also bet that Jeremy has been, um off job for the past month and that's why he's been around so much and I wouldn't be surprised if in another month he goes out of town again does his exact thing where he stops talking to Leah and Addie <laughs> girl's never gonna learn all right let's talk about Janelle Whew, what a week we got a really drunk Nate this week now look could he slur his words because of his TBI sure how would I know I'm not I'm not a doctor. Well, here's what I do know. Nate has a serious alcohol problem. He has been arrested for DUI three times. He also got in trouble for a DUI on his military base. He just wasn't arrested because it was a military base thing. So that's four DUIs. Four. Now, are you an alcoholic if you get one DUI? Doesn't mean you are. It means you made a really bad, irresponsible choice, especially in the age of Uber. Are you an alcoholic if you get two DUIs? Well, that's when it starts to become more of like a, that's not great. Are you an alcoholic if you get three DUIs? Yeah, you're an alcoholic and I don't have any issue saying that. 
you have a serious alcohol problem if you get three DUIs. Bottom line. You know, I worked in restaurants for a long time and there was a period of time where I was like the only person I knew that didn't have a DUI. Like at least like the only person I hung out with. Like everybody that I worked with, all of my coworkers had one DUI. But they all had like one DUI. Then there was like one or two people who got two DUIs and you were like, huh. Then there was the people who got three DUIs and they were really serious alcoholics. <laughs> also, Nate has been arrested like multiple times for non-DUI related incidents where he's drunk during them, including both times he was arrested for like domestic violence against Jessica. So when people say like, well, he was at the gym, like he wasn't drunk. It's probably just his DUI. It's like, yeah, but Nathan's an alcoholic. He probably does get drunk and go to the gym. I think that's hard for people to, who aren't alcoholics to understand like how much an alcohol, some alcoholics can do while drunk. Like I would believe that Nate like keeps a flask in his car and takes like three long pools before he goes into the gym to work out. I would. Like, that's how much of an alcoholic he seems like to me. So, the first scene is Janelle in the car with Kaiser, and Janelle turns around, and she's like, what are you eating? And he had food from the day before. And Janelle's like, oh, no, but we're going to go get you fast food. Look, right across the street, do you want chicken or a burger? And Kaiser wants both. It's really cute. He's getting better at talking. Hmm, save Kaiser, you know, save Kaiser. So we get a scene of Nate and his friend in the gym. Nate is slurring like crazy, screaming, red-faced, drunk. Um, They talk about the upcoming court case and they're going to court next week because Doris wants to be the intervener. And I'm still not quite sure what this means legally. I thought she already was the intervener. I thought that an intervener was like, a person that handled communication between the people and a person that, like, handled drop-offs and the person that has to supervise their visitations, which seems to be, like, all of what Doris does. Like, that seems to be Doris's role in Janelle and Nathan's relationship. So I kind of figured she that, like, already was her description. And I don't think they did a good job in this episode explaining exactly what that legal definition gives her. So if someone can leave me a comment on Instagram and kind of just lay out in the state of North Carolina, like what it means that Doris was granted that position, because obviously she was granted it because the judge decided on it. But I just, I don't really understand what that means, like practically compared to the role that she seems to have now. So yeah, I'm curious about that. Um, Nate says that, like, he can't go for custody until that's decided, and I don't really know. See, this is where I'm confused, because now Doris is her own person in the custody case. She's not on behalf of Nate. Doris had filed for custody, but then dropped it. They're not doing a good job explaining this. I need more information. Um, There was also a point where Nathan filed for custody as plaintiff, even though he was defendant, because it's an ongoing case, and that makes me worried about his lawyer. (laughs) That his lawyer did not know uh, if he was the plaintiff or the defendant. You would think, like, a family court lawyer would know how to walk into those situations and figure that one out. So, 
they talk about Nate. Is that where this is? I guess, and then I, I'll just talk about it here. But Nate and his friend talk about what Nate's goal is when it comes to Kaiser. And Nate's like, well, Kaiser isn't being taken care of the way that I, like, Janelle and I had agreed. And I was like, yeah, that's probably true and fair. Although I doubt Janelle and Nathan ever agreed on anything. But I agree that Nathan Bean isn't take Nate, that Kaiser is not being taken care of the way that he should be. I think literally every person in this world <laughs> agrees with that. Everyone aware of the situation agrees with that. But his friend is like, okay, so if you get full custody, like, are you going to live down here with Kaiser? And Nate's like, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You would think that, like, you would not be going into asking for full custody without, like, a pretty specific plan on, like, where you're going to live. Also, not for nothing, like, he lives in Florida because Ashley owns the home that she lives in. And she has a career in Florida. She's a substance abuse counselor. She's a grad, she has a master's degree. Like, she works in Florida. She seems, she says she loves the company she works for. Like I said, she's a homeowner. Like, if they are serious about pursuing custody and keeping Kaiser close to his mother, as Nate claims he wants, then you would think they're, like, making moves to sell that house and get Ashley a job up in South or North Carolina, you know? Because Nate's like, well, I don't want him to be, like, 10 or 11 hours away from his mother. And I'm like, okay, so why are you 10 or 11 hours away from Kaiser? But I guess that's a story for another day. Um, and it just seems like very bizarre to me that his lawyer didn't basically make him say and decide where he wants to live before he, like, asks for full custody. Because when you, I'm, at least I'm assuming when you ask for full custody, (laughs) when you're asking to go from supervised custody to full custody, a big part of that is showing the judge that, like, you have a stable home. You have a plan, you have a job, you have childcare lined up, you have a stable relationship if you're in a relationship. And I can't, I would imagine part of that is like, if I'm Nate, I'm saying like, yeah, I live in Florida with my girlfriend. She owns this home. Actually, I would probably marry her to prove to the judge like that, you know, we're homeowners, we're married, we're very stable. But I just don't understand, like, how you can ask for custody if you don't know, if you're not sure where you're planning on raising that child. I think that he's saying that because I bet his lawyer has told him, like, you're not going to get custody if you live in Florida. I find it very hard to believe that a judge would go from supervised visitations to full custody with a parent who is taking that child outside the jurisdiction of that state. You know, right now, Kaiser lives in North Carolina. Their child custody case is in North Carolina. Uh, All of their, like, family court stuff is in North Carolina. And I can't imagine the judge, like, finding it in the best interest of the child to go from living in North Carolina, only supervised visits with his dad every other week, but in reality, like, once a month, to moving him to Florida full-time out of the reach of the North Carolina family court. Although I guess, like, the other option would be that he lives in South Carolina, which is probably where Nate would move back to, South Carolina, not live in North Carolina. But still, it just seems crazy to me that, like, if I'm a judge, I'm not letting you go to Florida. 
I may let you have, I bet to me, the most reasonable outcome of that, the most likely outcome is that Nate's supervised visits will be removed and that he will possibly, I mean, that's it. I think Nate's supervised visits will be removed. I think Nate still has legal 50-50 custody. Like, I think he still has a legal say over Kaiser. But unless Nate moves back to North or South Carolina, like, he can't get 50-50 custody of Kaiser. You can't have 50-50 custody. Now, maybe he will be allowed longer visits. You know, like, he gets Kaiser every other weekend, except he's in charge of transportation, which means that it would probably continue with Nate driving back and forth. And then he gets him for three weeks in the summer and, like, over certain school holidays. Like, that I can see. I think that that would be a reasonable outcome. Um, I kind of think Nate should be supervised, but if I'm the courts, like, I think that I would probably, that's probably what I would give Nate if he's living in Florida. There's just no way you can't have 50-50 custody when you live 10 hours apart. It's just not an option. And if I'm a judge, like, and I'm looking at Nate's life and he's not employed in Florida, he's not, he doesn't own a home in Florida, there's really no reason for him to be in Florida. He's not married to Ashley. If I'm looking at that, I'm like, well, why would I grant you full custody to bring this kid to Florida? It just, it doesn't seem like a reasonable ask. And I guess, like, his lawyer just telling him to ask for what he wants and then the work, I think he even asked for Janelle to have supervised visits. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's just, it's so extreme to go from supervised visits to full custody with the other parent having supervised visits. I don't know, man. So Janelle and Barbara have breakfast. Janelle says she's shaking from espresso and is like holding bacon. And she's like, I'm holding the bacon and it's shaking, (laughs) which made me laugh. And Janelle explains what happened in court with Doris and basically Doris's lawyer asked her, like, do you get along with Doris? And Janelle said yes. And she said, you know, do you... And Janelle, I guess, told her, like, we get along. And I am with... Or I talk to Doris more than I talk to Nate when it comes to Kaiser. Which I'm sure is absolutely absolutely true. And I guess Janelle's lawyer argued against the intervener. Because Janelle's lawyer said that the parents should work it out. But the judge ultimately ruled Doris to be the intervener. Like I said, I'm not exactly sure what that means. Janelle does not think Nate wants full custody. She thinks Nate just wants to look good, which I definitely agree with. I think that Nate knows that he could not ask for anything less than full custody and, like, get away with it on the internet. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think that Nate wants to be, like, able to be like, well, I asked for full custody. Like, it's just that the courts didn't give it to me. So, that's really it. Oh, Doris also asked for their CPS records during the, Doris's lawyer, during the case. And I guess Janelle's lawyer is objecting it. And Janelle's like, well, I mean, once they get them, they're just going to see that they come, they interview the kids, they interview me, they interview David, and then they close the case. And I think that is what happens. Nate says that Janelle has over 20 CPS cases, but I'm wondering, like, How many of those are people on Twitter calling and how many are, like, legitimately founded CPS cases? You know? It's hard to tell. And I think the abuse... I've always thought the abuse of, like, 
the abuse of calling CPS by the Twitter people does not help Kaiser. All it does is make CPS more like, oh, here we go again, and think that all the cases are unfounded because they get so many unfounded calls. It's basically the little boy who cried wolf, you know? I really am interested to see how Janelle and Nathan's custody plays out. I think it's still going to be a while before we find out anything. Okay, on to Kale, who had, I thought, a very interesting episode. So Kale still hasn't talked to Joe. Uh, She gets a call from V, and V basically is like, let's sit down. Kale's like, I don't want to. And V's like, I know you don't. I'm not happy with Joe either, but we need to sit down. I think it's interesting this position V has taken that I don't know if it's necessarily a good position and here's why. I think V's right and I understand why she's mad at Joe. I would be mad at Joe too. Joe is not consulting her but I have to wonder how it affects her marriage because when she calls Kale and says I'm mad at Joe too she's stepping away from her team, which is her and Joe, and pivoting to a mediator, in-betweener stance. Now, does this help Kale and Joe in the long run? Absolutely. Thank God for V. This is the best thing that could happen for Isaac, is for V to step in and force them to come to a resolution. But I wonder how that impacts Joe and V's marriage. As all of you know, I've never been married. I don't have kids. I have never been a stepmother. I've I've never been in a situation like this. So really, like, and obviously every marriage is different, but I'm curious from step-parents out there or parents who are remarried and have a spouse who is a step-parent or in, like, a situation that's kind of similar to Jovi and uh, Kale, I just feel like V kind of going behind Joe's back, or even if she's doing it, like, to his face, even if she's in the right, I have to wonder if it's bad for their marriage. Because it really, it's, I'm not saying you always need to, like, stand with your partner, especially if your partner is taking, like, a shitty position. And Kale and Joe are connected forever, which means that V's connected to Kale forever. I just, I don't know. I can't imagine, even though it's different because I'm grown, I can't imagine, like, my stepmom, like, if my dad and my mom got in a fight over something, I can't imagine my stepmom, like, calling my mom and being like, we all need to sit down. Because, like, my dad is her priority, not my parents' relationship with one another. I it's, this is what's so hard. I think V, like, was absolutely in the right. I just have to wonder if this, like, negatively affects Kale and, or V and Joe's relationship in the long run. I wonder how that looks to Joe. If I'm Joe, how I'm feeling about that. Although there's definitely the argument that, like, apparently Joe didn't consult V before he filed for this child custody. And V has worked so hard for the last, I mean, how long has it been now? Like six years that she's been in Joe's life to make things right with Kale, make things good between Kale, Joe, and V. So I completely understand. Maybe V feels like you kind of already stepped out on me. <laughs> Not stepped out, but stepped away from our partnership because you and I had come to a really good place with Kale and that was mostly done by me working really hard 
So when you go and you disrupt that without my approval, maybe she already feels like Joe stepped away from the partnership and forced her into this position. But I'm really curious about what their family dynamics are, what's going on right now, how this impacts their marriage, what kind of fights they're having. I'm just, I'm really curious about it. So they agree to all meet up, but Kale says that she doesn't want to do it on camera and lets the producer know that Chris is coming with her. And I was like, say what? (laughs) I was really confused. The producer seemed really confused. She's like, well, Chris and Joe have been fine from day one. And I'm like, how involved is Chris and Kale's life? I just, I don't understand. I feel like we have the least clear picture of what Chris and Joe's or Chris and Kale's relationship looks like. I'm so confused. And this is why, like, Chris is such an asshole. So he's, like, sleeping with her. He tells her he loves her. He's offering to go with her to meet with her baby daddy to discuss child support. But he, like, won't be her boyfriend. Fuck Chris. Chris also went on a, like, started his own podcast this week, apparently, called Everybody Hates Lopi. I actually don't know how he pronounces it because I didn't listen to it, but L-O-P-E because his last name is Lopez. And I guess that's his nickname. Which is, like, a a cool title because it's a play on Everybody Hates Chris, the TV show. So, actually, like, props to him for the title. And he said that the reason they showed his face last week is because MTV claims that he was in a public space that they knew would be filming. Like, a filmed event, so they had the right to to air it. But, like, wouldn't that be the same thing at Sky Zone? I don't know. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I also didn't listen to the podcast. I just read a recap of it on Reddit. It seemed fine. (laughs) I'm just not really that interested in listening to him talk. So, Kale says that the reason that she wants Chris there, and I understand why she wants Chris there, because she's like, you know, every time I have these disputes with my baby daddies, like, it's just me. I don't have family. I don't have, like, a support system. They have a wife or a girlfriend or, like, family with them. And I was like, I, like, I can understand that. She also acknowledges that she's very stubborn, she gets really angry, and she will walk out of places, and she's hoping that if she brings Chris, like, he can keep her calm. And I was like, that sounds reasonable. I understand completely her motivations for wanting to bring Chris. I think she sounds reasonable when talking about that when you don't consider the entire context of their relationship. It just, whatever went on between her and Chris is so confusing to me. Nothing adds up at all. So, apparently, the meeting was very weird and awkward, and Kale says that a lot of Joe's money is going into his real estate business, and I said, I'm a fucking genius, and I love being right. Did I not call this that Joe is irresponsible with money, and that's why he needs child support from Kale? Okay, first of all, like, my professional opinion... (laughs) House flipping is not a career. House flipping is a side hustle that if you are already in the business or you're very experienced, you can then maybe one day make your career. You know, I just met a couple this week actually where the wife now is getting into house flipping and the way that they're able to do this is that the husband is a doctor. (laughs) Like, and that this is money that they can afford to spend and Their goal is when he retires, he'll, like, from his doctor stuff, like, he'll do it with her full time, but it's not their family's main source of income. And Joe, you know, 
I think HGTV has like got a lot of people twisted. You flip houses when you're a contractor, you're a real estate agent, you're a designer. Like when you have extra money and you have good opportunities and you can kind of do it on the cheap and do a lot of the work yourself or you have a team that's really good and trustworthy and you can have them do your work. Um, I, it's just like, it's crazy to think that somebody would make that their main business when they don't, well, I guess he, but he does have another income. It's crazy to think that he would take all of his team mom money and put it into this. Honestly, it seems like it'd make more sense just collect his teen mom paycheck, <laughs> you know, to like tell MTV that he wants to be on the show more, make sure his ass is in every episode and collect that nice, however much $500,000 or whatever he makes a season and have that be gravy and not waste it on real estate. <laughs> real estate's a really hard field to make money in. House flipping is especially hard to make money in because it's very expensive and there's a lot of upfront costs, which is why I'm saying it's like, it's a side hustle. It's something you do to max, like not to maximize. It's something you do. I don't need to explain what a side hustle is. People who are listening know what a side hustle is. It's to be like if I quit my job and was like, I'm really, I'm doing this podcast now. <laughs> this is my income. Like, do I make money off this? Yeah. But do I make enough to live on? No. <laughs> and I just, I think that it's not crazy because Joe just like made a bad investment, but I'm not surprised that this is the reality of the situation and this is why he needs child support. Kale is frustrated, and I think rightfully. She said, you imagine if I went to Javi and I told him that I needed child support because, like, I put all my money into a business and couldn't afford stuff for the kids. She's like, he would, he would flip, and I agree. I think that's true. So, Kale said she went into the meeting, like, basically seeing red. She was so mad, and she was just, like, rambling on and flipping out, and Chris basically told her to shut up and let him talk, which I thought was good. And I did think, like, wow, first of all, like, I know Kale's a bad person, but, like, that makes me think, like, I really want Kale to have a good partner. Although we all know Kale won't get a good partner because she's not a good person. You can't get a good partner until you're a good person, like, attracts like, as I've discussed a thousand times. But I think Kale could really benefit in her life from somebody who could, like, be the yin to her yang, who can, is, like, a chill person who can be like, yo, chill out, like, we need to deal with this, and that Kale loves and trusts enough to listen to and let them take the reins in certain situations. That would be really helpful in Kale's life, and it's sad that she is so unhealthy that she can't find that. And if she found it, I don't think she would accept it, unfortunately. So Kale tells the producer when she's recounting this that she told Joe that she understood that he was upset about the child support thing. Being that, like, Kale was supposed to take him off child support, he still had to pay, etc., etc. I've discussed extensively. She offered to write him a check, but he, like, never came to her and told her this was the math, so she didn't. So, Joe basically owns up to the fact that he's putting all his money in his business and he just doesn't have the money to care for Isaac. Uh, the editors give us a shady flashback of Joe buying a house and V saying, oh, we're going to have to put another 100000 into this. <laughs> Kale said, it's not really fair of me. It's not really fair for me to have to finance his life because of his business decisions, which I completely agree with. And Kale does say, like, 
I will help. Like, if he is $100 short on his water bill, like, I'll give him that $100 because Isaac lives there. I'm not sure I believe her, but I think that's the correct sentiment. And I think that going forward, that would be the correct way to do it. Or, it would, you know, like, if he really needs help from Kale to, like, come to Kale for a direct amount, like, our AC is fixed. Can I please borrow $3,000 or whatever he needs? I think that would be a more logical way than Kale giving him $2,000 every single month. Because she's right. It's not fair that he can't afford to pay for Isaac because he doesn't want to get a 9-to-5 job and wants to be a house flipper. <laughs> While he makes a significant amount of money from MTV. By the way, Remember, guys, the only reason he's not on this season every episode collecting a per-episode check is because he pulled back. Remember he gave all those interviews last year after the reunion saying he was quitting the show, they were pulling Isaac off the show, but then, like, in V said so on Twitter, like, they're staying on the show, but they're not filming as many scenes. Like, this is a choice. We see how often Javi's on this fucking show. Javi's been in almost every episode, or he's at least in every other episode, Joe could be on the show more if he wanted to be on the show more and be making more money from the show. Joe could also be making way more money on social media if he wanted to be making on social media. Joe could also get a regular schmegular job, you know, and work nine to five in an office. He did HVAC repair, I believe, before he moved to Delaware. Like, go do HVAC repair. He could work. I mean, there are just, there are a million things he could be doing to make money that is more reliable so Kale wouldn't have to finance him. I don't know. I just, I don't think it, I just don't think it's right. I don't think it makes sense that he's making bad investments. So Kale has to make sure the water in his house is turned on when we know, like, there are some cases where I would say, like, she should absolutely be giving him child support. But in this one, when I know Joe has such a high earning potential, that's where I'm like, go fuck yourself. We know he makes a shit ton of money from MTV, and we know he could be making so much money on social media if he tried. And so could V. V could be monetizing her social media much more than she is. So that's where I'm kind of like, okay, but, and I understand, I don't have any desire to be like a social media maven, like in a world where I had, <laughs> in a world where I had the followers. Like, I understand that, like, I don't, I wouldn't want to post clickbait. I wouldn't want to be doing, like, FabFitFun ads every month, like, I get it. I get it. It's not an ideal situation, but, like, if you can't pay your water bill, like, let those fucking clickbait ads run on your social media, bro. It just, it's hard for me to feel a lot of sympathy for people that have such a potential for high, for earning, and, like, not just earning $50,000 a year working in an office, but, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars that they're leaving on the table with social media. If they worked on their social media brands, they could be making way more money, and that's where I'm kind of, like, well, too bad. And if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to be making that money on social media or through MTV, then your career probably can't be flipping houses and be being a realtor. You know, one of you needs to be working like a nine to five job pulling in a steady paycheck so bills can be paid every month. They can't both be working commission-based real estate jobs. It's just not realistic. <laughs> As I've talked about before, like, it's very easy to look rich in real estate but actually be broke because you'll get, like, an influx of cash once every so often. You spend all of that cash quickly and then you're broke again. I don't know. Joe, 
Joe, you're, you're a bum. You done fucked up. Maybe he's not a bum. Maybe I'm being harsh. But, like, instead of asking Kale for child support, like, let those fucking clickbait ads run on your account. You'll probably get more from those fucking clickbait ads than you would from child support for Kale. And then Isaac wouldn't have to sleep on the couch because your AC's broken. My level of sympathy is quite low. Quite, quite, quite low. Uh, Kale, I guess, agreed to write the check for the back support owed, which is, I think that she should do that. Well, it's not really back support, but it's the overpayment of support. And I think she says that she's nervous about writing it because what if he still takes her to court for child support? Like, she is unsure if they actually came to 100% agreement, but my thing is kind of like, you owe him that money regardless. Write the check as a show of good faith. And if he still takes you to court, like, if he takes her to court, she's going to have to pay it anyway. Um, She isn't really sure, like, where where exactly they stand. But after the meeting, I guess V texted her to make sure she was okay. And Kale gave V props and is like, we are only here because V. And he's the be- she's the best thing to ever happen to Joe and the best thing to happen to our relationship. And I'm really glad when Kale gives V props. I know it's very hard for Kale. Very hard for Kale. And, you know, they're both very lucky to have V. Isaac's very lucky to have V. I'm just really, I would really like to see some honesty in, like, what Joe and V's relationship looks like right now. Because I think, you know, nothing in a marriage is more stressful than money troubles. And I'm very curious to see, like, how this is actually playing out in their relationship. And I'm wondering if that's part of the reason they pulled back. Because they're having issues. I think they must be having issues if he was, like, telling on camera, calling MTV over to stand in her kitchen to say that she didn't support Joe filing for child support. Like, that, to me, says, like, they must be having issues in their relationship. I'm not saying they're, like, divorcing, but something's going on. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. I love you guys. Have a good week. Sorry if this episode was an over-caffeinated mess, but, you know... Say la vie. <laughs> Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards www.patreon.com slash ebpsycho 